Thank you for listening to In Good Faith, the Central Reformed Church Sermon Podcast. This episode's sermon is titled, Now That's a Lame Excuse, and is based on Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 62. It was delivered on Sunday, June 26, 2022, by Pastor Stephen D. Pierce. Um, so, Luke 9, verses 51 through 62, and that's page 843 in the Pew Bible. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, Go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Excuses. Lame excuses. The German poet Christian Hebel once said, whoever wants to be judge of human nature should study people's excuses. We live in a world full of people who love to make excuses for just about anything, don't we? We make excuses for why we're late to work, why we don't practice enough, why we skipped out on work altogether. We make excuses about why we don't go to church. And during COVID-19, those excuses were phenomenal, let me tell you. Some, of course, were legit. Others, it, it was just the ongoing excuse for whatever was happening in that moment. I heard them all, all of them. We make excuses for why we cheat on our tests, on our taxes, on our significant other. We even make excuses as to why we make excuses. And we have convinced ourselves that some of our excuses are pretty darn clever. I'm reminded of Leo Tolstoy's book, War and Peace. That moment when Pierre recognizes that he has sins in his life. And that causes him to do some self-examination as to the choices that he has made and there's this moment where he's literally on his knees and he says God I have sinned against you but I have some excellent excuses we do it too don't we 
we make excuses for just about anything and everything. And the Bible tells us flat out our excuses are foolishness to God. The truth is that our excuses only blind us to reality. That's why when we have a prayer confession, sometimes the liturgist will lead off with, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive only ourselves and the truth of God is not in us. In other words, Scripture's the mirror. And when we look to Scripture, the Scripture reminds us of who we really are and how foolish our excuses are. And if you read the salvation narrative from Genesis to Revelation, how many people in Scripture make excuses about Lord knows what? I'm thinking of Moses. Moses is called by God to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, out of the hand of Pharaoh, the king. And he comes up with what he believes are some excellent excuses. He says to God, I'm not qualified. I don't have enough education. Your plan's not going to work. And quite honestly, I don't do public speaking. And then he says, he comes, you know, he comes to his senses about his excellent excuses. And he finally says, God, I don't want to do this. Send somebody else. Well, we know the rest of the story. And in our lesson for today, we encounter Jesus who has just come down the mountain with Peter, James, and John, all of whom saw him transfigured before their very eyes. They even heard a voice from the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen. Listen and obey him. Listen and obey him. Now they're awestruck by this, no doubt. They're curious as to what's coming next. And in Luke 9.51, we are told, Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. He had a mission. He had his task. And it was to go to Jerusalem where his closest friends will deny him and betray him. Jerusalem where he will wish there is another path to take, but he himself will choose the harder path. Jerusalem where he will face intense persecution and ultimately death, but while he's there, he doesn't make any excuses. Not one. Instead, his resolve is to bring good news to the people about himself. I'll never forget when I was leading a confirmation class in Manhasset, New York, one of the youth, when asked the question, what do you admire most about Jesus, said to me, I admire that Jesus never made it easy for himself. That was spoken to me by a 12-year-old. What insight our youth have. So as the story goes, Jesus passes through a Samaritan village. And a context is everything, right? Here, here the Samaritans are considered second-class citizens. They, in the Jew, Jewish eyes, they are half-breeds. They're not really legit they are a mess. They don't love God as much as the Israelites. You know some of this history. And what we, we read is that there are three people that approach Jesus to follow him. And surprisingly, he turns each and every one of them away. He's not even impressed, not even a little, with their offer to follow and to serve. Um, they say that they want to follow to be his Talmudim, his disciples. But he knows for whatever reason that they're only 
somewhat sincere. To the first who offers to follow, Jesus reminds him that not even he has a home to fall back on. Not even homes like animals have homes. And to another, Jesus asks to follow. He agrees. He says, let me, go, let me bury my father. Let me take care of that first. Jesus responds, let the dead bury their own dead, but go and proclaim the kingdom. Some commentators believe that, that this man's dad isn't quite dead yet. So this is just a really lame excuse. Another offers to follow, wishing only to say goodbye to his family first. Jesus responds that there is no turning back once you commit to working for God's kingdom. My question to you is, does he not know that this is a horrible church growth strategy? Nowadays, we'll just take anybody, right? (laughs) But we know this tension. We've felt it. The tension of being pulled in two directions. The way of Jesus or some other way. Um, In what ways have we said, I'll follow you, but first let me go and... It's our way of putting conditions on the unconditional. It's like this. Yes, yes, I will love the other, but first let me go and see who the other is and if I'm going to like the other, if they're deserving of love, Um, whether they agree with me about whatever social issue I believe in. And if they don't agree, hmm, I'm not sure I want to love them. Yes, I will open my door and welcome the stranger, but let me first see who's knocking on my door how different he or she is for me, what he or she wants, what am I risking? Oh, yes, I will forgive, but first let me go and make sure that the other understands what they've done, their wrongdoing, and let me make sure that they promise to change. Uh, Yes, I will give to and care for the other, but first let me go and see why I should. What will it cost me? What's in it for me? Episcopal priest and author Michael Marsh writes this. He says, it's as if we are backing our way into the kingdom while keeping an eye on the door. It's as if we're walking backwards into our future, not wanting to see or deal with what is before us. It's as if we put our hand to the plow and we looked back and we already know how Jesus feels about that. Now, most of us in the sanctuary and most worshiping online, wherever you may be, do not want to back our way through life. I don't. I know I don't. By God's grace, we want to turn and, 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 and lead with our hearts. We want to lead with hearts that love the unlovable, that forgive the unforgivable, that welcome the stranger and hearts that give without seeking anything in return, including a thank you. A life lived without excuses. A life lived without ever saying, but first let me go and fill in the blank. We say yes or no to countless things without even thinking about the decisions that we're making. 
But Jesus calls us to say yes to him every day. And it may not be an audible voice, like the voice the disciples heard on the mountain. This is my son, my chosen one. Listen and, ob- and obey him. No, it, it might be a different voice that speaks to our hearts when we, when we come to understand and appreciate how Jesus yearns for our time spent in meditation, Bible study, in prayer, and in song. It, it might be him beckoning us to join him in serving people in our community. Or it might be him calling us to worship him not only on a Sunday, but at work when we're out with our family walking down a beautiful trail or we're out enjoying a summer sunset, if we're just gathered with family and friends at a table where there's delicious foods and wines and other tasty treats. Our yes to Jesus doesn't mean that we understand everything there is to understand about our faith. It simply means we're willing to step out and and follow him wherever he might lead us. So there was a Presbyterian minister who who took his youth to um, Mexico. And since this was a two-day journey to get there, they had to spend a night on the road. They made arrangements to stay at the homes of members of another church at the halfway point. And the senior minister stayed at a very large home in an expensive neighborhood. And before going to sleep, he was at the dinner table with his host family enjoying snacks. And as they sat around uh, talking, the mom and dad told the pastor about their daughter who had just gone to Mexico two years earlier. And since it was a great distance for them at that time, they chose to fly, which is exactly what our group to Belize did. Their daughter took an enormous suitcase, bulging with all kinds of things that she thought were essential. Several sets of beautiful clothes, plenty of cosmetics, and many pairs of shoes. And they said their daughter practically emptied her closet because she wanted to be prepared for whatever situation arose. However, their daughter was totally unprepared for the abject poverty she encountered. Her field of vision had been so limited. It had rarely ventured beyond her own mirror, except perhaps to her close circle of friends. Mexico opened something up in her. It opened her eyes to grinding poverty and the absence of so many things she took for granted. She was stunned to discover how most people on our planet live. After all, there are over one billion people on planet Earth who are malnourished. And so when she returned home, she stepped off the plane. The clothes she had on, her sandals, and the toothbrush in her pocket were the only things that she had She had given away the rest of everything she had brought down there. Her cosmetics, her clothes, her shoes, her money, even her suitcase. She returned from Mexico a different person. Her priorities had changed because her field of vision had broadened. She is now focused on a future that involves helping all kinds of people who live in this world and are at risk. It's amazing what these 
trips to Belize and Mexico and other places can do for our youth and for us. And it makes me wonder how many, how many of us, when we move from, but first let me go and to a, yes, Jesus, I will follow and I will obey and I will bring the good news that you offer to all people. It makes me wonder what could really happen when we open ourselves to that vision, to that reality. And now that our youth are back from Belize, I cannot wait to hear what they experienced. Just as Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem, we set our faces toward his kingdom and his values. Jesus knows that if we take our eyes off the road, we get sidetracked. So many of us are sidetracked. But once we say yes to following him and say it unconditionally, we open ourselves to new possibilities as well. We sever ties to the old self, to the old habits, to the old things that hold us down and have had us in chains for years and keep our eyes on the road ahead. It's easy to make excuses. I make excuses. You make excuses. We all do it. But the reality is our excuses are lame. They're terrible. They're pointless. We do it all the time. Many of us would rather stay on the grounds of the predictable, what we know to be safe and secure. But when Jesus calls and he says, hey, follow me. No, seriously, follow me. Follow me. Are we willing to count the cost and do what we must even if it requires sacrifice? Are we willing to lay down all of our excuses and allow him to enter our lives so that we live a life worthy of the calling he has placed on our lives? Are we willing to at least try? That's what this passage is all about. It's about following It's about Jesus. It's about laying down those excuses and giving him first place in everything we think, say, and do. Think about it. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, let us pray. Our gracious God, we thank you so much for this beautiful Sunday. And for another opportunity to hear your word proclaimed to us. This is a tough gospel. But it is the one that you have for us specifically today. Help us to accept this challenge. To follow you. To lay down our excuses. And to enter into the mission that you have for each and every one of us. So many people are hurting. So many people are scared. We live in a divided world, in a divided country. Help us to be the disciples you've always wanted us to be. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people say, Amen. New to Central? 
Since 1840, we have been connecting people to God and to one another through scripture, sacrament, song, and service. We are located on the corner of College Avenue and Fulton Street in the Heritage Hill neighborhood of Grand Rapids. We hope you'll give us the opportunity to meet you in person soon. To learn more about our mission, ministries, and the ways you can grow and serve, please visit our website at www.centralreformedchurch.org.